Welcome to All of the Above, the podcast where we discuss philosophy of ministry, theology, books, and a variety of other things. And occasionally it's been helpful for us to take this as an opportunity to explore more in depth, or to explore more fully issues that we are uncovering as we study a particular book of the Bible. So we are walking, as a church, we're walking through Acts right now, the Acts of the Apostles, and it's been a really, a really good uh, study thus far. We are currently in chapter four. Uh, but anytime you talk about Acts, you can't help but think about the spiritual gifts, and you can't help but wonder, like, how much of what we see in the early chapters of Acts and the, and the you know, the, the signs and wonders performed by the apostles, the, uh, the gift of tongues, and that kind of thing in Acts chapter 2, how much of that is to, it, how much of that persists today? How much of that is to be the normative experience of a believer? So that's what we're here to talk about, specifically the charismatic gifts, things like speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing. Is that intended to carry over for us today? And so we've got um, Aaron here to uh, to shed some light on that question for us. Yeah, I hope you'll shed light with me. Um, yeah, this will be a mutual shedding of light. Yeah, we're going to um, shed a, a lot of light, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully so. Um, all right, so in keeping with the uh, in keeping with the theme, just real quick, Aaron, what is the best gift you've ever received? Oh, that is a great question. Best gift I have ever received. Um, it didn't end up being totally surprised, and we we kind of worked through it. But um, my wife and I, we were when we were coming back, we were um, living in Kenya at the time. We were coming back. Um, for Christmas in 2018, and we were going to stay in London um, for a little bit. We were just flying on British Airways, so we were flying from Nairobi to, to London. And then Casey worked worked a scheme. My, my favorite soccer team is, is Arsenal, and they play in North London. And I was like, there's no way we'd ever get tickets to a game. Like, I can't figure it out. International people don't seem to be able to do it. Casey figured it out, um, knew how we were going to do it, and we – went to their rival game. It was Arsenal-Tottenham. Um, the game ended up, it was either 5-2 or 5-3, Arsenal won, and it was just the most amazing experience of probably my life in terms that's of an event. Great. Yeah, that's so really good. Casey, Casey gifted that to me as a as a Christmas present. So man, it was one of the best. That's really good, and not at all the direction I was going to go. I know. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> yours might be something I just couldn't think of anything else. Oh, that was man. the thing that came to mind. I was thinking about like a childhood gift that I loved, and for whatever reason, I have this really specific memory of a football that was shaped like a brain. <laughs> it was a Nerf football that was shaped like a brain. So seems kind of hard to throw. It worked, man. It was. I guess the human brain is very aerodynamic. I did always love growing up getting some. I loved playing baseball growing up. So like the the bounce back thing where you could like throw it into oh, yeah. it and it would come back to you, or yeah. like a little hitting cage thing just like a little net you could set up a tee and hit a ball into i always love those kinds of gifts yeah uh, growing up so yeah cool all right so what about you jonathan you have one you want to contribute i can say it into the microphone man behind the curtain he says so modest (laughs) all right um so uh the charismatic gifts aaron um maybe um provide a, a a bit of a definition for us on even the phrase charismatic, like where that where that comes from. Yeah, that's good. Um, I wanted to start off just reading a quote that comes from a um, commentary on on the Book of Acts, and um, I think I think this is written in about in Acts four, um, but I thought it was a helpful kind of distinction. 
The gift of the Spirit is to be distinguished from the gifts of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is the Spirit himself bestowed by the exalted Lord under the Father's authority. The gifts of the Spirit are those spiritual faculties which the Spirit imparts as he apportions to each one individually as he wills. That comes from F.F. Bruce, his um, commentary on on the book of, of Acts. Mm. And so specifically in thinking about the gifts of the Spirit, kind of seeing them as, as these gifts as special distributions of, of grace given by the Spirit uh, that are to benefit and edify um, the church. Some people will distinguish gifts in terms of like slightly different categories. I saw one that was gifts of knowing, gifts of saying, gifts of doing. Um, I saw one that instead of three categories, they divided up in two, gifts of, of speaking, uh, gifts of serving. Um, so yeah, so I think it's a, it's, it's a distinction from the actual giving of the Spirit that we would say every believer has, but the gifts of the Spirit... Um, we, we can talk about them here in just a second, all the different gifts. The, the Spirit doesn't necessarily give all gifts to um, to all people. Um, so, yeah. I didn't an- answer your charismatic part. You, well, what, what are you thinking there? Well, so, it, so the distinction that F.F. Bruce is making is that the Spirit is itself a gift. Mm. It is the gift of the Spirit. Um, and that is how the Spirit is spoken of in different scriptures. Um, I, I think about Ephesians 1 that we studied. Mm. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, that the Spirit itself is a gift, but with the coming of the Spirit, there it, it it's accompanied by these kind of particular giftings. It applies to particular believers according to God's sovereignty and according to God's varied grace, is how Peter says it. So there's a um, we all receive the gift of the Spirit, singular, but then kind of downstream from that are these different gifts of the Spirit that the Lord kind of gives according to his own purposes for each of us. Mm. And maybe even the season that we're in, he, mm. he gives us and and um, equips us for, for where we're at. Is that, am yeah. I understanding that correctly? Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. And then even, you know, specifically thinking about, I know you mentioned the charismatic, the chorus, I don't know how exactly, you know, chorus, the, the Greek term that means grace. Um, and so kind of charismatic is kind of gifts of grace um, is the, kind of distinction there so in thinking about you know charismatic gifts it's coming it's it's gifts of grace that have come through the spirit for the edification of Mm. of the body um and i think that's maybe an important distinction to constantly remember is the gifts of the spirit are not for me by myself yeah um they are for the benefit of others they're for the benefit of the church um so it's not really an isolation gift it's a it's almost an others focused gift. Yeah. That's good. What uh what what passages when when it, when it comes to thinking about the spiritual gifts, maybe more generally, um and then we can get to some of the passages related to the charismatic gifts more specifically. What what are some of the scriptures that come to mind for you? Yeah. Um I think the the ones that that I kind of wrote down and and thought on and looked at a little bit were Romans 12. Uh, verses 6 through 8, and we can talk a little bit more specifically about those. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, and then also in that in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and then Ephesians 4, 11, and then 1 Peter 4, 11 is where we kind of get 
people will divide it up and kind of serving and speaking um, gifts kind of give uh, two categories. I think it's important with with these gifts as you know as we start to to talk about them um, maybe more specifically we don't we don't want to think too highly or too lowly of the gifts God has sovereignly and wisely given them and distributed them again not for personal benefit but for the benefit of the church and for others um, and so we don't want to necessarily when we walk through these gifts and and you're thinking yeah oh yeah that's that's a place I'm I'm gifted in um, it's not necessarily that we're gifted in it um, per se in our abilities but that the the Lord has um, bestowed upon that gift and and there's a hard distinction sometimes I especially when I kind of come to know the Lord like personality traits yeah that then you come to know the Lord that then you the spirit's gonna work and maybe even totally change some of those things but also um, maybe the spirit's kind of sovereignly been working over time to um, give certain uh, gifts that then to be are to be used when you when you come to faith are, yeah I'm, I'm gonna think about it like we have these natural we have these natural I guess gifts is the only word I can think of but these 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 inclinations and these passions and these desires and these abilities that you know some of them are in need of being put to death and reborn um, as something different but some are kind of sharpened and made more effective or like um, super serum Captain America, you know, so that, so that those, those gifts are then uh, kind of sanctified and used for the glory of Jesus and the, the building up of the saints. Um, and so the, the spirit, you know, sometimes kind of works with the grain of who God has already made us to be, Yeah, you know, in his, in his sovereign design. Yeah, that's good. The I just wanted to run through, just kind of give a give a list, um, just to kind of get our get our thoughts going in this direction. Romans twelve verses six through eight. I won't read each of these passages, but kind of list out the ones that that I saw, and um, and you can find charts online that kind of distinguish these and and kind of different people how they think about them. Romans twelve, um, we see prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leading. And mercy, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses seven through ten. Essentially, it uses—I think it uses language in there for the common good, like it's for the benefit of others. We see wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. First Corinthians twelve, verse twenty-eight. We see apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and tongues. And then Ephesians four eleven: apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Um, so I think those are helpful to just even kind of run through some of those more specific. And then obviously we have different giftings that we could maybe talk about that come from from the Spirit, but those are explicitly um, talked about in in the Scriptures. I think it's important to know that all of these are exercised under the rule and authority of Christ. They're all given for the edification of the church. Um, there's a diversity of gifts at play, um, and so each of those gifts are important um, and can benefit. They're given. They're not earned. Um, I think it's important to know also with, you know, even just baptism of the Spirit is not a second experience of conversion. We we get the Spirit, we've received the gift of the Spirit um, at conversion, but then 
the gifts of the Spirit may come in, kind of like you mentioned, different ways in different times, um, in different seasons of, of life. Um, well, and to speak to that, I mean, we're, we'll get there in the book of Acts, but that that notion is often built off of the scriptures in Acts where it talks about people, you know, presumably having believed in Jesus, having been converted, but then there's a second coming or a baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place after that. And folks will point to those passages and say, you know, that's intended to be the normative pattern for the Christian. But in the book of Acts, the significance of the Spirit going onto those people is it's a, it's, it's, it's affirmation that the Gentiles are included in the covenant promises, which includes the, re- the receiving of the spirit, you know, the, the Joel chapter two passage that Peter mentions at the day of Pentecost. That's a, that, that is one of those instances in scripture that we would say is, is descriptive. It is a, it is a, it is a very particular moment in time where Gentiles come to faith and then they are, then they receive the Holy Spirit, and it's kind of a it's, it's staggered, and it's because it's a, a turning point in redemptive history. Mm. So, um, we're not we're not intended to take that as you know the the normative pattern for how receiving the Spirit typically works. That's right, and it's it's helpful to think about yeah the early church um, has distinctions from us just in seeing the 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 new covenant come the. Yeah, change in redemption history, a different era kind of coming about. Um, yeah. We don't want to maybe push that too far um, in in thinking about, even even thinking about in, um, in Acts, we see um, the Spirit come down at Pentecost, Peter preaches a sermon, then in Acts 4, when he's in front of the... Um, these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin that you talk, you preached on this past week... Um, the it says Peter's filled with the Spirit, and then in my passage is coming up this Sunday. It's going to say the Spirit comes upon the people as they're praying for boldness. Presumably, Peter is there because he's witnessing to what it's talking about. So, kind of the Spirit comes uniquely, and so the Spirit is given once, um, kind of for all time for believers, but also, um, it empowers at different ways and at different times. Um, and I think we probably all witness that in just even kind of generic life. There's just kind of seasons of of walking maybe more closely with the Lord, being in a season of rejuvenation. Somewhat I even feel like that right now, like the Spirit's kind of working in me in a unique way, kind of bringing me, um, just kind of rejuvenating my heart for, for the work of the Lord and um, for knowing Christ. And, and we, we just kind of have those seasons, and, and maybe it's even kind of similar with the gifts. No, it's really good. Um what? Why are we even doing this podcast? Why, like, why? You know, why? Why did we feel like it was appropriate for us to talk about the charismatic gifts of the Spirit and to distinguish that from the non-charismatic gifts of the Spirit? And I don't know. I should have asked you that earlier on. Like, what's the? What? Why is this even important? Do you think? Yeah. Um. I think it's important to have to try to have good, um, clear, clear thoughts on. Uh, what the how how the spirit works and how the spirit comes and how the spirit equips us. I've, I've even was thinking about you know First Corinthians twelve and First Corinthians fourteen is kind of a a place to go and and think about these more charismatic gifts um, with with tongues and interpretation of tongues. But then that's those passages sandwich First Corinthians thirteen, which is like everybody's beloved marriage passage. Um, 
I hope I don't have to ever read it at a at a wedding. Um, I don't I don't know why. I just feel it, it's not not necessarily about a wedding. Yes, it is true about love. Um, but First Corinthians thirteen talking about love that these gifts are meaningless. The the gifts of the spirit without without love as well. So I think it's just helpful to um, get clarity around um, around how these gifts work and even what these gifts are and provide some kind of clarifying remarks because we would we talk super regularly the most difficult thing of preaching is what we're what we're going to take out what we're not going to say we always have an hour and a half of content and you know generally we shoot for 30 to 35 minutes and so it's what what are we not going to say so we can't turn over every rock we can't dive into everything as we as we talk and we also want to have a proper view of the spirit it's it's easy to neglect. It's easy to neglect the work of the Spirit yeah. in our in our lives. So I think that's an important reason to to do this podcast. Yeah, I mean, so if you've been to one of our gatherings, and I would assume that everyone who's listening to this has, as far as I know, there's not been any tongues, any healing, any prophetic words that have been spoken at our gatherings, and so maybe the assumption is. Like this is just not our jam. This is not something that we believe, and that we have some kind of, some kind of good reason for not practicing those things. Some kind of convictional reason for not practicing those things. Um, and we'd also acknowledge that we have brothers and sisters who are in the more charismatic traditions, like Assemblies of God, or I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones, but who are in the more charismatic traditions who would make this a regular part of their worship service. Um, and I know for a fact that we have people who are members of our body who grew up in those settings. Um, so what do we think? I mean, what, what do we do? We, do we think that the spiritual gifts, excuse me, the charismatic gifts, specifically tongues, healing, prophecy, do, do we think that those persist today? And if so, why don't we practice them? Why aren't they happening on Sunday mornings? Yeah. Uh, and, th- and then if not, if we don't think they persist, how do we make that case biblically? Yeah. Uh, the, maybe a helpful distinction here is is kind of the two most common terms is cessationism and continuationism. Um, cessationism being that the charismatic gifts ended uh, with the apostolic age, the miraculous gifts of tongues and, and healing have ceased. The Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals to perform miraculous signs like that with, you know, tongues or or healings are probably kind of the two um, major ones. And so, and that that case is typically made with just to, to kind of further that point. Yep. Like we were saying a moment ago, that there's this kind of changing of the epochs. Like it's the it's the new age being in, the, the messianic age being introduced in Christ, and that all of the all of the events kind of the New Testament. You have the, the John the Baptist the life and ministry of Christ, the death of Christ, resurrection of Jesus, the sending of the Spirit, the establishment of the the early church, that is all kind of this composite event where the new age kind of overwhelmed the old age. And so cessationists would say that there are these things that accompany that composite event, like the charismatic gifts. Um, And they'll often point to passages like 1 Corinthians 13, which says, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. 
When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will, uh, I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So and that's first Corinthians 13, starting verse eight or so. Yeah. Eight through 13. It's reading my NASB. Um, but yeah, so, so they would argue that cessationists would say that the, the charismatic gifts accompany that kind of particular moment in history where there was this changing of epochs where the new age overwhelmed the old age and that they're not intended to be normative like the rest of the gifts of the spirit. And I've even, I, I saw some language, I had that written down to, to discuss the perfect in those verses. Um, a little bit of research I've, I've done is cessationists would see that as, so, some would see it as like the Bible coming or certain certain things that seem to maybe be less satisfying. You know, maybe there's an argument for it. Um, but it seems like the perfect would be the second coming of Jesus there, that these things would yeah. would cease when the perfect comes, which would be when Christ comes and returns, and then the new, really the new age, the um, the new heavens and the new earth. You know, everything is coming about at that point. All sad yeah. things are beginning to be made untrue. Something you just said made me think: the Bible. It is appropriate to refer to the Bible as one of the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Anyway, the Spirit is given. You, I cut you off. Mid- no, that's thought. great. That's great. Um, and so it seems like from that passage, depending on how we interpret the perfect, that these gifts might stay around. Um, you know, it would it would be until then, because then if if Christ has returned, we we no longer need those gifts. Um, so that that's kind of the cessationism um, side. The cessationists would also argue that um, charismatic gifts aren't necessarily mentioned later on in the letters that Paul has written, if we kind of put them in chronological order. Um, there's decreased conversation about those, um, which that's kind of an argument from from silence in, in many ways, which um, is a is a logical fallacy. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not a, not a thing to pay attention to, but it doesn't necessarily mean um, that it's that's absolutely right. Um, I do think it's important, cessationists are going to emphasize, that it, God's not adding to the canon. So when we do have a prophetic word or, you know, anything of the sort. And in some ways I might even argue, you know, you talked about not having a prophetic word done. It's like, we do have prophetic words mm. done very, very often. Mm. And we, we read the scripture over, over the body. Mm. Um, we, we want to root any prophetic word in, in scripture. So scripture is sufficient. So we're not adding to it. So that's, that's cessationism. Continuationism is kind of the opposite. Um, we're healings, tongues, miracles, you know, these gifts of the spirit are still in operations today still in operation today, you know, just as they were in the early days of, of the church. They've continued kind of unabated since Pentecost. Um, and, and the argument would be that the, no scripture really points to the gifts ending, you know, other than the first Corinthians 13, but then that seems to be maybe the second coming of, of, of Christ. Um, the, the kind of question for cessationists would be cessationists don't believe all gifts of the spirit have gone. So it's kind of like, which ones? And it's like, well, it's just the kind of special charismatic miraculous one. It's like, well, which ones kind of fall in that category? The things that are easier or harder to get our mind around, like, you know, mercy, is that kind of more charismatic or is that more, um, that continues Well, it's like, 
in many ways, it's a miraculous work of God that anybody shows mercy to anybody. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind yeah. of a little bit trying to create categories. Um, and we all do this, um, but trying to create categories that, that maybe aren't necessarily there. So you ask kind of where do, where do we stand? Where do we want to talk about it? The, the elders of, of TCGS, and um, obviously we don't necessarily speak for everyone, but we do kind of lead and shepherd the body. Um, we, we don't feel like we are cessationist, um, but we would maybe describe ourselves as cautious continuationist. Um, cautious continuationist. So we're not necessarily convinced of the normative role of of charismatic gifts if we're creating those categories um, that they're um, kind of intended to play. We do obviously believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, it is more of the, you know, tongues or um, miraculous on-the-spot healing, um, you know, it, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, they would think the medical care we have today would be a, would be a miracle. Um, and so it's like, how do we, you know, kind of attest to some of those things and then the Lord working in different times and in different ways. Um, so yeah, cautious continuationists. What are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it comes down to, so I was sharing, sharing this with the elders. It seems like this is probably way oversimplification. It seems like there's three options. So option one is, that the gifts ceased with the uh, with the early church, and that they're no longer a part of the regular practice of the church, and that's built off of the fact that what well, we look around and there's a lot of Christians in the world, and I don't know what the statistics would be, but most of them don't practice regularly these gifts, so <clears throat> we have to square that experience with with the scripture. And so it seems like that maybe there's some scripture that could be read to suggest that the gifts will eventually cease. So that's one option. So the gifts cease and it's limited to the first century. The other option is to then say that all of these Christians are living a sub-Christian experience because they're not regularly practicing the gifts. And that is also unsatisfactory to me. Um, <clears throat> Sub-Christian or even just aren't, aren't, aren't Christians. Yeah. Haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I just don't, you know, I think about my, uh, my great grandmother, like this, amazing godly woman she didn't practice the gifts and i just refuse to believe that she lived a sub-christian experience i just don't buy that you know um and so the third option seems to be something like the gifts do continue but they aren't necessarily the normative practice but at the end of the day god does what god wants to do and if god wants to gift a particular person a certain way god that is 100 percent within god's prerogative Mm. i mean i tend to think I don't remember where I heard this idea originally, but I tend to think that probably the best explanation for the charismatic gifts are that it accompanies new works of, of the gospel or it accompanies the inbreaking of the gospel somewhere. So the kind of mental image I have is at our house, there's this area where the all the condensation that comes from our air conditioning unit kind of shoots out into the yard. So it shoots out water a couple times a day. And, like, right around that spout, the grass is really thick and, like, really rich and healthy. Um, but And it's kind of clumped right there around that outspout, whatever. That That's almost the picture that I work with. It's like, it seems like in places like Corinth and events like in the New Testament or even in certain parts of the world today, kind of at the 
at the spout, kind of the head of that spout where the water's shooting out, where the gospel message is kind of making grounds for the first time. There's kind of a clumping of the gifts as a, as attestation to the legitimacy of the gospel message. That seems to me probably to, to be what's happening when we think about healings and, and, and the charismatic gifts and all. But God does what God wants to do. Mm. And um, God gifts how God wants to gift. And I myself have never spoken in tongues or healed anyone that I know of. Um, this is me talking. But if it's available, I want it. You mm. know. Um, I mean, I, I think about First Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. It's like, whatever that means, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I want it, you know? Um, and again, that's just me speaking. So, no, I think that's helpful. I mean, I think, you know, in thinking about Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, secret things belong to the Lord our God, but things that are revealed belong to us. Um, thinking about other passages that kind of God's ways are far above our ways. He can do as He pleases. He's continuing to work. You know, I think about hearing stories, which how how much um, credence do you give to kind of anecdotal evidence um, is a is a discussion to be had. But, you know, stories in places that have little to n- almost no Christians, you know, stories of people having dreams and meeting a, a, a missionary or somebody who was coming to, like, start to proclaim Christ at, a, at an airport or, and, you know, I was told to come see you and, um, you know... I, how much credence do you give to, you know, a, a one-off story? But it does seem that the Lord works in special ways, um, in special clusterings where the gospel is going forth anew. Um, and maybe prayer is a vital part of, of that. The Lord is working in a, in a unique way over um, using the prayers of his His people. Um, but I do think you're right. We want to pray for the power of, of the Spirit. So even if, you know... Odds are we're we're not gonna see people speaking in tongues, you know, this coming Sunday at at Greer Station. We do want to pray for the Spirit to work, and we want to pray for the Spirit to move, and we want to be open to where the Spirit's leading us. I do think First Corinthians fourteen makes it clear that there's kind of orders and order and rules. God is a God of order, arrangement with purpose. So if um, if we're going to see the charismatic gifts or if we're going to see really any gifts, there's going to be order to it. It's not going to be random yeah, and, and kind of mishap. Um, well, and, and that, I mean, for our continuation as brothers, I mean, that's, they see chaos. They, they see, they, they see a pursuit of these gifts kind of getting wonky. Our um, cessationist brothers. What did I say? Conti- continuation. Our cessationist yes. brothers. Yes. And so, and, and we would we would affirm kind of the wonkiness there, yeah. you know, like there there's there's times where this gets silly. There's plenty of camps or churches or different things we could name that it's like that's that's getting out of that's getting yeah unbiblical and out of place. Yeah, and so they're responding to that, you know, very appropriately. Um, but I think we maybe maybe say, you know, be more measured in our in our kind of objection to those things. I mean, I think about. This passage from Mark chapter 9. This this comes from Mark 9, starting verse 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting on demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. 
For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So there's this really interesting encounter where the disciples see someone who's not some of the disciples casting out demons in Jesus' name. And Jesus is like, you worry about you. I've, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing things. I've got, my, I've got my followers. These people are doing it in my name. He seems to actually be endorsing what they're doing. So there's just this kind of acknowledgement that maybe Jesus kind of works differently and does different things through different tribes. And there's kind of a tendency on our end to, to want it to play out exactly how we want it to play out and want it to look exactly like us and kind of, kind of, kind of be our deal. And maybe that's just not how the Lord works. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there's a certain amount of just being okay with there being different tribes that make up the body of Christ. And, and, and maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe there are just certain tribes where, these, where, the, where the gifts maybe kind of clump and, and maybe kind of function more normatively than they do in other tribes, and, and, and maybe that's okay. Mm. Mm. Again, I'm, I'm, that, I'm speaking for myself there, and that, that's stuff that I've kind of thought about. Yeah, yeah. And I do think, you know, the, the pursuit of the gifts is not the ultimate expression of, of following Christ. It's not the, the central message. Um, I think there's a lot to following Christ, being a disciple of Christ, loving Christ, loving God, um, that is done, um, you know, w- without the, the gifts of the Spirit being the, being the foremost um, thing that we're running after to mm. affirm our faith or to affirm that we have appropriate belief um, and not to say they are, um, they're very, very important but following Christ is kind of the ultimate, the ultimate call, and yeah. then the Spirit works accordingly. That's good. Really good. Excellent. Well, thanks for some time today, Aaron. To yeah, I enjoyed it. And, I enjoyed and, it. And uh, we maybe we introduced more questions and answers, but uh, that's that's pretty much what I feel like education is. Like, yeah, you go to school, you you learn some things, and you come out with more questions. So yeah. that's probably what we did today. Yeah, great. If you have any questions, please. Send them to Aaron and Aaron alone. And And, uh, please copy Trevor. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.